Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of God has risen upon you. Amen. There's a Sunday school song that gets to the heart of what I'm trying to say this morning. You may know it. Rise and shine and give God the glory, glory. Rise and shine and give God the glory, glory. Rise and shine and give God the glory, glory, children of the Lord. I appreciate this song on so many levels. Not least that we are blessed with an arky arky constructed out of nothing but the finest barky barky. And then the animals, they come in by twosies, twosies, even the kangaroosies, roosies. This is pure poetry. But I digress. The point is this, rise and shine and give God the glory. That's what we celebrate in this season of Epiphany, the manifestation of God's glory in the world. What better story could illuminate the theme than that of the Magi traveling from afar to see the infant Jesus? Let's begin with a bit of context. There were not three of them. Actually, we have no idea how many there were. Just that they brought three gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh, and that's M-Y-R-R-H, Not a single vowel and a great Scrabble option. All we know about them is that they are wise. They follow the star. They come from the east. In other words, they are really different. Perhaps magi or astrologers or rulers of another land. They are as foreign as possible. They come from someplace else. They are not Jews and they are not from Jerusalem. And that's part of Matthew's point. Jesus' message breaks through to the Gentiles, to the nations, which is what that word Gentiles means. So now let's consider their story, zooming in on that word homage. It appears three times in the story, serving as a leitmotif, giving it purpose, direction, and culmination, as scholar Tom Troger observes. It comes from a Greek word, proskynio, and the King James Bible translates it as worship. But the NRSV translators chose to translate it as pay him homage. Why? Because that Greek word proskynio is often word used to mean prostrating oneself at the foot of a king. We give not just gifts, but our entire selves. And so homage catches this embodied connotation of the Greek in a way that worship doesn't fully do. The first time the word appears, it gives the reason for the Magi's journey. In verse 2, they say, we have come to pay him homage. We have come all this way. We have chosen to take this ludicrous journey for the reason of paying him homage. And we were reminded that journey is a powerful metaphor for the life of faith. We journey together, one foot in front of the other, observing the festivals together, coming over mountains and out of valleys together. And so their journey begins with the need to give themselves fully to Jesus, 
the only one worthy of worship, adoration, and praise. But watch what happens the second time homage appears in the story. This time it's a dark turn of events. It shows that Christ interacting with the world leads to trouble because power has very little intention of stepping aside for an infant king. Herod tells the Magi to help to tell him where the child lies so that he might also pay him homage. Except we know he's lying. When he doesn't hear back, he orders the slaughter of all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under according to the time that he had learned from the wise men. This move is tragic, calculating, cruel, and barbaric. And it makes good sense if he wants to consolidate power and stay king forever. But what kind of king is truly worthy of our homage, of our worship? Tom Troger writes, Herod's claim that he wants to pay homage to the child is, is more than a ruse. It is a piece of irony that communicates the earth-shaking character of Matthew's story. The irony is that Herod unknowingly states what in truth he needs to do. The despot who rules by violence and fear needs to prostrate himself before the power of compassion and justice, needs to give himself entirely to the grace that is incarnate in the child whom the Magi are seeking. Herod's duplicitous and ironic statement helps us to understand more profoundly why the Magi's quest frightened the tyrant and all Jerusalem with him. If there is a new king who can inspire people to undertake a strenuous journey to an unknown location so they can pay homage to a child, then the magnitude of their effort suggests that the established powers are at risk of being challenged. Herod could have arrested the Magi and executed them on the spot, but like most tyrants, he's too crafty for that. Why kill the messenger when they could lead you to your real target? Caesar wouldn't want him to mess up the situation. After all, Caesar puts Herod in charge of Jerusalem with one job, prevent rebellion. And if that involves murder or paying people off or duplicitous means comes with the territory. Beware a tyrant using religious language to justify terrible things. The third time homage appears, the Magi meet the infant Christ. Contrary to traditions, pageants, and carols, their first action is not actually presenting the baby with gifts. The text says that they enter the house, they see Mary with child, and they kneel down and pay him homage. There it is again. After giving of themselves fully to Christ, then they offer gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And that order matters because giving gifts can be a way of controlling others. You can almost imagine two heads of state, maybe a president and a prime minister, and they greet in this gilded diplomatic hall, each bearing gifts, hoping to coax the other into agreement on the sticky issues. They're trying to show that they're equally important, equally powerful, equally wealthy. But the Magi don't do that, even though they're greater in the ways you would expect in terms of wealth and power and connection. Their first act, action 
is worship, paying Jesus homage, giving fully of themselves to Christ. That's actually their first and most important gift, and it could be ours as well. And why give of ourselves fully to Christ? Because Jesus comes to bring God's light into the world. And just as God's light has shined on all people, so it shines within and upon each of us, on you and me. Isaiah sings in a different context, but in a way that resonates with today's text. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And Barbara Brown Taylor encourages us, writing, What better time than the epiphany of the Lord, after all, to ask ourselves to burn a little brighter? To burn a little brighter. God's light shines inside each of us. It is the light of compassion, justice, truth, and unconditional love. And so I want to encourage you and me and us this morning. We have been through a lot these past few years. So maybe Barbara's right. Maybe it is time to burn a little brighter to pay homage to the one whose light shines in and upon each of us. And that's why we will promise shortly, as we join Davis and Hope and Brian in baptismal covenant, we will promise to seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving our neighbors as ourselves. Friends, the truth is that you and I have a light to shine with the world. It comes from God, and the world needs your light. So here's your line. Rise and shine. Will you say that with me? Rise and shine. If you have been waiting for someone to see God's light in you, rise and shine. If you have been waiting to believe in God's light resting in you, rise and shine. If you've been waiting to encourage someone around you, rise and shine. This old world has a way of telling us that we don't matter rise and shine, that we can't change big systems, rise and shine, that history must repeat itself, rise and shine, that unsolvable problems will never be solved, rise and shine, that the way things have always been is always the way they're going to be, rise and shine, that loving kindness falters in the face of violent force, Rise and shine. See, Herod looks like he wins the day, but the Magi do not come to pay him homage. They never did, and they go home by another way because encountering the living Christ changes them just as it changes us. They come to pay homage to the wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Jesus, the light of the world. So friends, the world needs God's light, which rests in each of us. Be encouraged. Rise and shine. Nobody else in the world has your relationships, your connections, your skills, your abilities, your friendships, your knowledge, your voice, and the world needs your light. 
Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of God has shone upon you. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of God has shone upon you. Amen.